How come you're not a neurotic mess? You've never been funnier, my friend. There are an infinite number of universes coexisting with ours on parallel dimensional planes. I don't understand a word you just said. Nine out of ten people have never heard of us. Thanks, Mom. It's the Dave and Dave Handball Radio Sportscast on iTunes, WPH Live TV, and TuneIn Radio. This is AP News Minute. The U.S. dropped its largest non-nuclear bomb on a site in Afghanistan. Military officials said Thursday the explosive hit a network of tunnels near the Pakistan border used by Islamic State fighters. The Moab, or Massive Ordnance Air Blast, packs 11 tons of explosives. It's the first time the weapon has been used in combat. A lawyer for the man who was dragged off a United Airlines flight this week says his client suffered a concussion, broken nose, and lost two front teeth. Dr. David Dow's attorney gave a press conference in Chicago Thursday. He says Dow will probably sue over the incident. UN Ambassador Nikki Haley leading a unanimous vote to end the organization's peacekeeping mission in Haiti after more than 20 years. The United Nations will scale back its presence in the troubled country following successful elections there. It will continue a temporary mission to help train Haiti's police force. And some engineering students at the University of Michigan unveiled a giant tribute to the Rubik's Cube. The group built a 1,500-pound version of the mechanical brain teaser. It's believed to be the largest one ever made. Robert Thumstead, Associated Press with AP News Minute. Episode number 16 of the Dave and Dave Handball Radio Sportscast is live and on the air. My name is Dave Vincent. We have Dave Fink to my right. We have Abraham Montijo over here. We're going to talk Salt Lake City Players Championship right around the corner. In the meantime, it's time for the E-News update. A new addition to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last Friday. Guess who? Yes. Who? No, yes, legendary rock outfit, yes, was formally inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In the lead-up to the ceremony, principal members Steve Howe and Alan White announced a summer tour dubbed Yestival, which has them sharing the road with Emerson, Lake, and Palmer's Carl Palmer and Todd Rundgren. After reuniting on stage with former bandmates, three other newly enshrined members of Yes have announced a tour of their very own. Singer John Anderson, guitarist Trevor Rabin, and keyboardist Rick Wakeman will embark on a 24-date North American outing beginning August 26th in Stockton, California. What's more, they confirmed the release of a new studio album from early 2018. The tour is officially dubbed Yes, featuring John Anderson, Trevor Rabin, and Rick Wakeman. So summer hasn't even started yet, and we already have two yeses. Should we do some Trump news? Well, you know, flying these days is such a drag. Donald Trump is on par to spend more in one year of traveling than Obama did through his two terms of presidency, according to CNN. Did you guys read this? Hey, United, you may have gotten the wrong guy. (laughs) 70 seats on the Louisville-bound United flight were filled when four passengers were told they had to give up their seats to accommodate crew members needed in Louisville the very next day. The passengers were selected based on a combination of criteria spelled out in United's contract of carriage, including frequent flyer status, fare type, check-in time, and connecting flight implications, among others, according to United. Three passengers went quietly. The fourth, though, a doctor, balked at the idea, stating, I'm a doctor and I have to see patients tomorrow morning. Chicago aviation authorities were called in and a wild scramble ensued. The viral video shows three security officers speaking to the doctor. One of the men grabs him and he screams as he is yanked out of his seat and pulled down the aisle. Another video shows him bloodied and repeatedly saying, I have to go home. 
You know, it's a sad day when the airlines treat the luggage better than they treat the passengers. You know in a movie when the villain gets shot but turns out it was okay because it was in the shoulder so he's fine? That was Donald Trump's strike on Syria. We should all relax. Obama also bombed Syria. The only difference between what Trump did and Obama did is that Trump knows Gary Busey. The White House press said that Donald Trump watched the NCAA men's basketball final between Gonzaga and North Carolina at the White House. Kind of surprised to hear that. You know, he must have been really confused when the team with the most points actually won. (laughs) In other sporting news, Tim Tebow hits a home run in his first minor league at bat making this the first time he's made it past first base. (laughs) The Dallas Mavericks celebrated fan appreciation night by trotting out Tony Romo as an honorary Mav. Unfortunately, most fans didn't recognize him without his clipboard. Not sure about you, but I'm so looking forward to Tony Romo dropping the mic constantly in that broadcast booth. The Raiders to Vegas deal is a disaster, not a relocation. What I'm trying to say is, enjoy the Raiders, Celine Dion fans. You can no longer ask the question, what is the easiest shot in golf for Sergio Garcia? And then answer his fourth putt. As Sergio got off the snide by winning his first major after 74 tries last Sunday in Augusta, Georgia at the Masters. Here are some quick stats if you are into that sort of thing. I know Dave Fink is. Garcia had three previous top 10 finishes at Augusta National. 8th in 2002, tied for 4th in 2004, and then tied again for 8th in 2013. Garcia's eagle at the 15th hole in round 4 was his first for 452 holes at the Masters since the 13th hole of round 1 in 2011. Garcia averaged 291.5 yards driving during the tournament, which is the 6th best, so congratulations on the win, and congratulations on your first Masters, Sergio. During the Masters, we watched the new Pepsi commercial. If you think that Kendall Jenner's commercial is the worst thing Pepsi ever created, let me remind you, Pepsi also makes Mountain Dew. A Mountain Dew spill at a Pepsi bottling plant in Howell, Michigan last month saw 7,200 gallons of Mountain Dew syrup distributed through a floor drain and into the area soil. Pepsi is being investigated by the EPA. Speaking of junk food, the queen of mean, Lisa Lampanelli, has filed for divorce after losing 106 pounds. Divorcing her husband, not divorcing from doing her recycled Don Rickles act. Comedian, actor, and author Don Rickles passed away April 6th at the age of 90. Upon learning of the news, God replied, Finally, we get somebody up here that's not afraid to make fun of Sinatra. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Ben Carson was reportedly stuck in an elevator earlier this week. But to be fair to the elevator, it fell asleep listening to him talk. There is seriously something wrong with Ben Carson. The elevator, on the other hand, well, you know, it's broken. There are so many things to be mad at right now. United, Pepsi, Trump, the elevator, but let's keep our eye on the prize. Today is episode 16 of the Dave and Dave Handball Radio Sportscast, live from the studios in Tucson, Arizona, where we'll be live on ESPN3 and the Watch ESPN app coming up April 22nd and the 23rd from Salt Lake City, Utah for the big WPH Aces Players Championship, and you have a chance to watch it. You could participate in it. 
You could be there courtside as well. We'll talk about it with the Salt Lake City preview of this big tournament coming up right around the corner. Special guest today is Abraham Montijo. We'll be back right after this. Stick with us here on iTunes and TuneIn Radio. R2 Sports has the ultimate app for sports fans. Keep up to date with the latest results from your favorite sport. R2 Sports gives you instant access to a diverse range of sports and tournaments. Get live updates instantly on your Apple or Android handset. Follow your favorite players. Check their ranking and latest results. Favorite an event and get live notifications pushed right into the palm of your hand. Interact with other players and chat with fans. Watch events live right from within the app. Get results anywhere, anytime. R2 Sports, your link to the global sports network. R2 Sports is available as a free download from the App Store. Like us on Facebook for free premium access. You're listening to the Handball Radio Sportscast with Dave and Dave on TuneIn Radio, iTunes, and WPH Live TV. It is episode number 16, boys. Dave and Dave. Abraham Montijo is in the hizzy. We're in the Tucson studios, WPH Live TV, Tucson, Arizona. Cool stuff today because we're previewing Salt Lake City, which means, you know, fun facts. Abe, I, I know this is new for you, but fun facts is where we actually do fun things. Can't which wait. Is unlike what you normally do every single day, which is completely boring all the time. Wow. Starting off before we even get into the show. The race for eight men's pros, the Elite Eight, we'll have the Salt Lake City preview. Abe, I know you're inspiring to be into that spot, so we'll talk about that. You're currently in the qualifiers. We're also going to preview that regarding Salt Lake City. Hell, this is all about Salt Lake City. I don't think we're going to talk about anything other than that, besides celebrity birthdays, maybe some stand-up hilarity, Mm -hmm. and some political fun stuff, which we've already kind of covered, but I know it always leaks back in. You know, Ben Carson, Donald Trump, United Airlines, that stuff always. (laughs) That seems to happen in every conversation I've noticed. This is sort of like the, this radio show is like the water cooler. In other words, we're also going to talk about the women's, the women's pro, mm-hmm. Katrina Casey, Martina McMahon, Sianna Nishereen. We got a lot of stuff there to now, cover. All the heavy hitters are rolling into Salt Lake City next week. And then the senior 40 plus pro tour, that's also in effect in Salt Lake City. And this is one of those things that you just forget. It's a big ball outdoor cup stop, but it's going to be played indoors at a place, at a venue that actually has some outdoor courts that we could be playing on. What the hell's going on with us? Well, wish we were. I think but it's going to be great indoors regardless. Well, the outdoor portion a few times, and Abe, you've seen this throughout the years, we're, instead of using handballs, we use snowballs. It's usually a little cold there, but sometimes it's not. So we never know what's going to go on in Salt Lake City. So let's get to it. Okay, so let's talk about Salt Lake. Well, first of all, Salt Lake City and the Aces Tournament, Dave, has been named the best tournament on the Race for a Tour, five years running since its inception on the Race Tour in 2012. It's been voted on every year by the players. Abe, you're one of those that votes. But don't you think, though, before we get to Abe's thought on this, it's because it's the last stop and it is so much fun that it that, that kind of gives it that credence that it should be the number one? Because, you know, you only remember the last thing that you did. Well, I think for Abe, he's been named by the Aces Committee as their favorite player. That's true. So that has a lot to do with his vote. Yeah, that's where the A and Aces come in. Yeah, they Abraham. paid me off on my vote, for sure. It's Abe-sis. <laughs> well, it could have something to do with the best banquet on tour, best food on tour. Abe, first hard question of the day for you. What's your favorite item at the Salt Lake City Aces buffet on Saturday night? Oh, boy. 
Uh, not the salad, okay. for sure. <laughs> but, uh, Why not the salad? Uh, it's just not my style, but I'd go with probably the ribs. Yeah. The ribs are oh my amazing. Pretty, pretty darn amazing good. There. I like their desserts. Yeah. They always have a great assortment of, you know, like carrot cakes and mm-hmm. you, you know what i'm talking about they have oh, cookies yeah. macadamia nut you know, oh yeah that's it the, the, that's, those are oh, the best yeah. ones i'm telling you right now macadamia nut cookies that's what i one. remember but then again <laughs> look at me and then look at abraham <laughs> this is the sixth race freight event in salt lake city they all haven't been players championships you remember the first two were in uh-huh. seattle last year was in portland so just the third year that the players championship will be in salt lake city but that's a record six race freight stops in the same city salt lake city tucson's had five Houston's had five. No one's had six. So this is going to be, you know, new territory for the race freight in Salt Lake City. That is interesting. In fact, Abe, it, it, we kind of kicked it off. That's right. I, but yes, then we again, did. I was thinking before that, yeah. Dave, you and I uh-huh. kind of kicked it off with Emmett the right. year before that. 2008 on when the we, bike tour. Yeah, when we rode our bikes through right. through the big city there. So we say 2012, but they really kicked it off with yeah. the race pros in 2008. And now we've just gradually built up to what's become kind of the Mount Everest of race stops yeah. six straight years on the tour. And Abe, you were there one year. Chip Morales was there. Yeah, was I think it was two consecutive years before it became an actual pro uh, pro stop. Yeah. So that was pretty awesome. Also it. hosting its third players championship. That's also a record tied with Seattle coming into this year. Now it'll be the third. Yeah. And and sometimes they like to be the players championship. Right. And other times they say, hey, let's just do sort of like a fun reconnect with the pros stop where we're not taking it so serious i don't blame them kind of the jake Plummer way where you just connect with the pros hang out have some good eats and not worry too much about the race points and the cash we have a lot of undefeated streaks in salt lake city that you may or may not know dave robbie mccarthy undefeated in salt lake city he's only played there once 2014 there had a very tough road as as you always do to win the players championship defeated emmett pichot in the first round Mondo Ortiz, Ortiz coming off that great win against Paul Brady, and then the final, that great match against Luis Moreno. So Robbie McCarthy has to have confidence coming in. Katrina Casey, she's undefeated just about everywhere, but she's also undefeated in Salt Lake City, 5-0, and won the Women's Race Freight Players Championship there in 2014 and 2015. Now this one, Dave, wait, is going to shock you. Before you say that, though, yeah. isn't it odd, Abe, that the two people that have the best records live at sea level? And then you're going up there to almost a mile high in that real thick, strange, crazy air that you mm-hmm. have up there. Uh, and yet they have the better records. Yeah. I mean, maybe they just got lucky. I don't know. But, <laughs> I'm but, sure it's a lot about luck. No, but no, Katrina's awesome. She could play well regardless of, of where she's going to be competing around the country. And then Robbie, he just had an awesome Salt Lake City tournament. Yeah. He was on, man. Mm-hmm. He was absolutely on that year. And I remember that first game against Emmett. They had a great game. Emmett had the lead most of the way. Got very close there at the end. I think Robbie pulled that one out 21-20. And from there, he just kind of cruised. I mean, he did. He was just three points or two points from losing in the final to Moreno. He lost the first game. He was down 19-16 to in the second game, playing to 21. And you're thinking, this is it. Moreno's got this player's championship. Robbie comes back, wins that game 21-19. In the tiebreaker, he was down 5-0, Dave, and won 11-5 yeah. to win that Players' Championship. Yeah. No, that was an entertaining match. And also the celebration from from Robbie was great, too. Yeah. Well, it meant a lot to him. Killian Carroll, Dave, has never won a match in Salt Lake City. He's only played there once. He lost in the first round of the main draw last year to Vic Perez, and then he lost in the first round of the playoffs to Luis Moreno. So he's coming in. I don't know if he would say he's got something to prove there, or maybe he comes in with less confidence based on how he handled that air and 
maybe his preparation wasn't what he wanted last year. This seems to be a different year for Killian. So yeah, I would say I was, that no confidence lost at all. Absolutely, I agree. There's 0 oh and 2, that's not enough for to really okay. deflate anyone, I think. Paul Brady came into Salt Lake City in 2014 16 and 0 in race for eight play, four titles in four events. Lost there in the first round to Mondo Ortiz in a tiebreaker. His streak broken there in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what happened the next year? The next year he forfeited to Mike Schneider. And then 2016, which was last year, not the Players' Championship, he won. Yeah. Defeated Sean Lenning in a tiebreaker there. He didn't necessarily forfeit to Mike Schneider. He actually played He played a par- partial game there. I think he was up 9-4 to four in the first game, and he defaulted. Right. Yeah, you he wanted to make it. a point that he could be up. and Right. Yeah. Okay. Marco Chavez, another guy, never lost a senior race freight match in Salt Lake City. He has lost race matches there. Senior race freight, he's got two players' championships there, 5-0 and record. And in big ball last year, he made it to the finals. So he was playing two different divisions there, three if you right. count the qualifier. Well, that's par for the course for Marcos. Usually right. he wants to get in at least four. And if you count the playoffs, I count that as a different division. So, you know, he was in the, the race freight playoffs last year, the WPH Outdoor, the qualifier, that's four. That's about right. Okay. That's Sounds when you see him play his best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually on the, the fourth. He, we've had it, so he's actually been in the finals in consecutive matches on ESPN. Right. Before. So, right. And, and I know those guys are like, what's going on here? Is this yeah. a small world, or uh-huh. they don't have a lot of handball players? This yeah. Is the best they can do? No, Marcos is, is just damn good. Yeah. And when you've played him before, Abe, what was your biggest struggle against Marcos? Oh, it's, it's definitely his mental game is just so so different from any other player uh he just brings a different aspect to the game besides just the physicality of it uh he likes to talk to you then he tries to like push you around and then he tries to just do things that get you under your skin a little bit um so sometimes it works and you know for a guy that idolizes kobe bryant you know he kobe was one of the best at trash talking it seems like there's that gamesmanship thing everyone talks about that with marcos but his his style of play is also kind of conducive to to winning because he knows how to throw the ball around, be methodical. He also knows how to ground and pound. He has a low bottom board game when he wants to play that way. And he's very aggressive, but sometimes yeah. he's very passive. It's very hard to change your style because then he'll change his. Yeah, sometimes his, uh, his actual handball ability sometimes overshadows his uh, mental aspect, too. I yeah. mean, they overshadow each other sometimes. It's just whatever he wants he's to show He's also one of these guys that can just catch fire. I mean, when he starts feeling it off the back wall and he'll tell you that Marcos is feeling it, he's hitting the kills <laughs> one inch high from everywhere on the court. It's amazing. Marcos and Vic, and this is from New York. I know we're talking Salt Lake City, but they had an amazing two-game match in the round of 16 in New York. I mean, both games went to overtime. That's the first match in the history of the tour where someone faced game point in both games and won them both. Vic faced 14-13 in the first game. Game point, 14-13 again in the second game. He won both games in overtime. That hasn't happened before, and it was really a great match to watch. Yeah, that was fun. You can actually watch that on demand if you'd like. Most wins in Salt Lake City history... Sean Lenning with 13 wins dating back to 2012. He's played every event there. Now, that also counts playoff wins, but he's also the 2015 Players' Champion in Salt Lake City, where he played great handball that year. I mean, outstanding. Luis Moreno right behind him, the 2012 Salt Lake City Champion, not the Players' Championship that year, but Moreno's got 12 wins. I would have to think that Emmett and yourself have to be about 10 wins or so, or maybe you're just at 10 or... I'm at 11, which puts me at third. Okay. So Emmett, I think, is at 10, didn't go down. I know Emmett was just below 
Like always, you just stopped right after your name. Yeah. That was it. When <laughs> when it gets to you, bam, after that, there's no stats. <laughs> the stats stop here. The Salt Lake City Race Parade Champions, 2012, we mentioned Luis Moreno. Charlie Shanks, 2013, he was number one at that time. Luis Moreno also number one in 2012 when he won there. 2014, Robbie McCarthy was not number one, but he did win, I believe, two stops that year. Sean Lenning, as we mentioned, in 2015. Katrina Casey wins the women's there in 2015. Marcos wins the seniors in 2016. Paul Brady finally gets that Salt Lake City monkey off his back, winning there in his third appearance there. You remember he lost in 2014, then he defaulted or forfeited in 15. The Players' Championship, Dave, has been very interesting because no one has won it twice in the Race Freight Men's Pro. You think, well, we have all these dominant players. Luis Moreno's got 10 race titles. Paul Brady's got 14. Certainly one of those two would have won it two or three times. But no, every year has been someone different. Moreno, Brady, McCarthy, Lenning, Carroll. So those are kind of the heavyweights, but they've all had their shot at hoisting that Players' Championship glory. In the women's race, freight, it's been all Katrina Casey. She's won the first three. Marcos Chavez has won two of the four. Andy Shad won in 2013. Marcos was not eligible, I don't think, in 2013. And then Marcos losing in the finals last year to Gavin Buggy, who I wish was in Salt Lake. He's a great player. Not defending his title, though, this year. Marcos will be the number one seed. Right. Shall we jump into the race freight men's preview? I mean, what the hell? We're already kind of previewing it anyway. We've got three number ones right now. At the same yeah, time. Yeah, this is really strange because I know that when we formulated the Pro Tour, we made it so that there wouldn't be any any ties. And then at the end of the year, we found out last year, ties. Mm-hmm. Year before that, ties. Yeah. It, I don't know how you can avoid it. Well, the one problem is the U.S. Open doesn't have playoffs, except for the third-place playoff. And the third-place playoff, actually, believe it or not, did end some ties with Sean Lenning getting a 5.5. So that created some, some difference in points. But not playing off for ninth and fifth really create a lot of guys right in that same ballpark. So we mentioned to the players already that they're going to be playing off for third, seventh, 11th, 13th, 14th, 15th. I mean, everything if we can because we don't want this season to end with four guys saying I'm number 20 yeah. or I'm number one. Well, you know, that's so. – hold your horses Okay, here. all right. Now, if we have court space, we'll do yeah. all of those playoffs. But okay. as of right now – all of our courts are taken. Okay. Now, now with that said, the Aces Committee, they're going to do their, their times and right. their draws and their seeds. And then once I see what is open, we'll plug, start plugging in some playoffs. Let's talk about Killian Carroll, Dave. He missed two events after the U.S. Open. He missed Minnesota, and he missed Plummer. But mm-hmm. in the four events he's played, he's got two titles, one third place, and one second place. He's got three straight finals right now, which has only happened four times in the history of the tour. He's got three consecutive, and that's current. So he's going into Salt Lake City on the heels of three straight finals. And he will finish the season number one. All he has to do is take third, and he would share potentially number one with a third. If he makes the finals, he's definitely number one, undisputed. So I'm sure he's, of course, going for the repeat title at the Players' Championship, but... If he takes second place, he can do no worse than first on the season. Wow. Well, he's having a remarkable year. And, you know, he looks great. Have you played uh, Killian Carroll yet this season, Abraham? No. The last time I played him was in Portland for the championship there last year. That's when we played. 
and he was playing great back then. Obviously, he won it, so he's playing awesome. But yeah. you had a great match with Killian at the Nationals a few years back. You led in the tiebreaker, I believe, 6-4 against Killian in Minnesota, 2013 maybe? Possibly. Yeah, very good match. I, we watched that one here in the office. So you have to have some confidence. I don't think necessarily you're going to match up with them early in Salt Lake City based on the rankings, but you've had some success against him. Yeah, uh, I mean, that, that one year I was playing – fairly well and and um i think he wasn't expecting that kind of early round matchup so it helped me to come come out fired up and i think that's what could hurt killian in early rounds is having someone come out there firing strong against them but that being said i mean he's he can do no wrong this he's doing fantastic tied for number one right now after only four stops and he's doing great now dave uh you've had three consecutive finals on the season at one point during the season, mm-hmm. when when we had Minnesota Plumber, the New Orleans, you're the oldest player to reach number one on the for the first time in handball history. Mm-hmm. Not maybe not the oldest to reach number one, but you're definitely the first to be at this age, which is 39, almost 40. Um, and and with a and a, a win, I believe here in this event, if you make it to the finals, win this, which would be your first race win, mm-hmm. you would also be number one on the season, and that would be a hands-down number one, right? Only if Killian loses in the semifinals. Okay. So if Killian makes the finals, he's number one no matter what happens in the final. I don't think you would care if you won this tournament. Right. Right. That's I true. mean, I mean, the being number one is being number one. That's great. Yeah. But the win here would be the, probably the most important. Then you would retire right <laughs> after that. <laughs> you hope. <laughs> you hope. <laughs> Luis Moreno, Dave, really resurgent this season. There was... Whispers last season, what's going on with Luis Moreno? He didn't look like himself. He you know, he didn't seem to have that same enthusiasm. But this year he's come charging back. Sort of a slow start, lost in the quarterfinals of both the U.S. Open and Minnesota. But then he came to Plummer, and it was like a new person in 2017. He made one of those New Year's resolutions, I think, to dominate the tour again. And he was unstoppable there in Plummer. He picked up his 10th race title, second player to reach 10 or more, Paul Brady with 14. I believe both of you guys played him and Plummer, just That's in my right. memory. That's and wasn't correct. he on fire? I just felt overpowered. I felt like a child playing him. It was a, my first round, and I mean, I'm sure you felt the same way. I've never seen the ball moving so quickly in my life. I remember, I think a lot of times the first shot of the match or the first rally can tell you a lot about what's going to happen. I hit what I thought was a really good three-wall return. It just barely came off the back wall, left side wall, back wall he took it with his right hand and hit it 100 miles per hour one inch high and i thought oh no yeah it's gonna be that kind of day today this is not gonna be good i can't put the ball in a better spot than that i remember seeing him it was between your game dave the first and second game he just stayed on the court Mm -hmm. didn't even leave just kept throwing the ball around i go this is not a good sign for anybody really yeah mondo ortiz dave looked like one of the best players we've ever seen early this season he took over the number one ranking for the first time at the Simple Green U.S. Open, made the finals there, lost to McCarthy. He beat Killian in the sem- in the semifinals. That was a great match, 11-8 tiebreaker. Abe, I know you were watching that That might one. be the mess- best match I've seen all Amazing. season. And, Incredible you know, match. Killian outscored Mondo significantly in that match. He lost the first game 21-19. He comes back and wins the second game 21-4 or 5. So he's right there. He's outscored him by 15 points. And then the tiebreaker, he loses 11-8, and they were making great shots in that tiebreaker. I remember sitting next to Fred Lewis where we couldn't take our eyes off the match. Yeah. He, he was saying this is, if not the best match I've seen, it, it's got to be up there, top three matches he's ever sat wow. down and watched. Wow. And that's Fred saying that. Fred that's, Lewis saying that's that. high praise from yeah. Fred. And Mondo, he went in there in the doubles, and he looked just as good, just crushing every shot. And then he kind of developed that elbow injury. He said it you know, it really hurt him in Minnesota, but he still 
buzzed through the field there in Minnesota and won that. That was his second title, winning that final in a tiebreaker, but really crushed everybody on the way to the final. And he hasn't been the same since. You know, he he had a long layoff between Minnesota and Plummer. His elbow was still bothering him, but he, he thought it was feeling okay. And then it tweaked in that first-round match against Lauren Collado, and he wasn't the same in Plummer. And he just hasn't been the Mondo. He did make the semifinals in New Orleans, looked pretty good there at times, defeating Andy Nett. And then he skipped New York, I think, to rest his elbow. Yeah. And up until he played you in Minnesota, that tournament in Minnesota, that was, like, really, in my opinion, the best I've ever seen Mondo play. He was just killing yeah. uh, every shot that he had a chance to kill. It was, he was putting on a, on a kill fest. And then we'd look at you when you were playing in Minnesota, and you were doing the exact same thing. You guys matched up perfectly in the final. It went to a tiebreaker. You end up losing a, a heartbreak there. And probably your best chance to win the whole year, even though I know people would vote for that Killian Carroll match in, in New Orleans. But back to Mondo, just a month later, just three weeks later at Plummer, for the first eight points, he was on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just playing great. And then yeah. you, he had to turn around and serve left-handed, and, and it's all gone downhill, really, from that moment. Yeah, yeah they're just going on with injuries as the season goes on. You know, you got three weeks in between a, a tournament, sometimes two. And sometimes your your body needs more time than that. And unfortunately for Mondo, he, he that's how the season went for him. He was suffering through an elbow injury, yeah. and that's cost him a lot of points this season. Right. But he's not the only one that's suffered from injuries. <laughs> well, well, that's what something I wanted to say. You know, we, we designed the Pro Tours so that it would give the players a little bit of rest by saying you don't have to play at every stop. You can actually take one off and still get the same amount of points that you would get any other time. And yet, since that moment, we've had more injuries. And it's either ironic or it's just the way luck is. But Emmett Pichot has a has a hand injury that we've you know uh, we know a little bit about. Hashtag footfall. The footfall <laughs> hand break, and so he's out of the tournament. Mondo's yeah. got the elbow. Sean Lenning's got that shoulder. Well, let's talk about Sean, who's okay. the next guy up. Sean comes into this event ranked fifth, which is pretty amazing considering he's played the last what. Two stops with just one hand, basically. I call it 1.35 hands because <laughs> he does use his left sometimes, and he used it quite a bit in New York. But just incredible, Abe, to think that, that a guy could come out with one hand and beat guys in the top 20. I mean, Sean beat Iglesias in New York. He beat Emmett in Houston. Uh, excuse me, Iglesias in Houston, then Emmett in Houston. Then in New York, he beats Mike Schneider, who was playing really well there. Um, he had a lead on Luis Cordova, I believe. and then He did. That was that a very one. close match, yeah. two games, and... Hard to explain. I mean, it's incredible. It's almost like he's playing just as well with one hand because he's playing more aggressively. He's moving more. Well, I believe that without the injury, this would have been Sean's year. So uh, he was gearing up. He made a lot of lifestyle changes, uh, doing the right things with his body, doing yoga, eating right, and uh, you know, not treating his body like a garbage can. Not like he ever really did. But I mean, in the moments that you, you know, in life, we sometimes do. Uh, he's cut all that stuff out. So I felt this season was really going to be a strong season for Sean after the U.S. Open because he really did make some changes like you did, Dave, with your diet. And unfortunately, he gets hurt. So now we kind of think the one arm, the 1.675 arm <laughs> is better than the 2.0. Uh-huh. But I'm I'm not so certain it would be this year. I think Sean was actually going to dominate anyway. Okay. But that's just my, my thought, just from his focus. I see. think he would have had a great chance to finish number one as well without the injury. He was, like you said, lifestyle changes. He was running around more than I've ever seen him before. He was sprinting in the court, hustling. Mentally, when you feel physically fit, mentally you're just so much better as well. When you're injured mentally, you're just kind of down on yourself. So I agree, this could have been his season. But 
Could have. Well, in a non-race stop, Dave, at the Memorial, he played amazing there. I mean, I played him in the semifinals. I think it was the best I've ever seen him play. So that was in November. And then he had shin splints there. Right. Right, which kept him from winning that that final he lost against Emmett Pichot with two hands. Mm -hmm. Then when they played the next time with one hand in Houston, Sean beats Emmett with one hand. That's inexplicable. So that tells you that the difference in his, uh, you know, mental capacity, how he changed his life for the better yeah but also what we go through as athletes when you have an injury you have to work around it and find ways to win and sometimes it simplifies your game a little Mm -hmm. bit you say this is the thing i have to do therefore i will do it and he's very good at doing that especially when when, i mean the mentality on that state is i get a right-handed shot i better finish finish the rally kill it and i mean who better no one's better Yeah, yeah no that's how he does it anyway Luis Cordova now up to number six, his highest ranking. Luis is a guy we've seen since 2012, youngest guy to finish inside the top eight in 2012. He was just 21 then. So we knew it was a matter of time before he started creeping his way up the rankings. He missed the entire race for a two season. That set him back quite a bit. And then he was one of these guys that just kept getting these terrible qualifier draws. I mean, every time he qualified, he would pull Paul Brady or Luis Moreno or Sean Lenny, he was never able to get one of those guys that were maybe at six, seven, or eight, where he had a good chance to get a win. So he was stuck in that ninth or tenth spot. This season, though, he's really broke out. Really, the defining stat: two and zero against Sean Lenny this season. Both those wins in the quarterfinals, those propelled him to his first two semifinals on the race, and also that win against Robbie McCarthy, which I know wasn't on ESPN. But that was an amazing match. I mean, that was incredible drama. Luis led 14-7 to in the third game. Match point, surfboard six times. Before you know it, Robbie's up to 13. Luis is exhausted, and he somehow managed to get a side out and a point. For yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if it's his biggest win, it's, but it was a great one. Well, and one thing that trumps the win, I mean, those are great wins. Yeah. Is the fact that he actually passed his brother finally. Right. And you remember that Luis was, you know, he was an elite eight. He, we named him as an elite eight a few times in the past. Mm-hmm. But then his brother took over. Right. And he's been grabbing the headlines since, uh, I would say, San Francisco a couple years back. And so the, the younger brother's been getting all the fame. He won right. the collegiates. He's, you know, he's kind of the superstar in the family. And Luis says, no, no, no. But, I'm going to take that over now. But and, Luis is 4-1 and one against Daniel Lifetime I'm in the race. Uh-huh. But I'm just saying, when it comes to the ranking points, he's he's higher. Abe, how does it feel looking down the rankings and seeing two guys that were like compadres of yours? We had Daniel and Luis. They're big rivals here in the great Southwest. And now they're they're with a higher ranking than you. Does that motivate you? Or is it you say, wait a second, I I can still beat these guys in local tournaments. I just don't match up with them for some reason in these pro stops. That's all the above. I'm, I'm actually really happy for them. I mean, they've worked very hard to get to where they are. I'm... Luis, I think he's I, he's got to be the most improved player this year. Um, who else would you compare him to? He's done everything right, and he's had some big wins. Uh, growing up together, it, it's awesome to see him have success, even if I haven't. I mean, I came close to both of them. Uh, Luis came close to him in a tiebreaker in Minnesota. Daniel, uh, this last time in New Orleans, had a game point. But uh, regardless, um, I mean, it doesn't unmotivate me. It just makes me feel like uh, I'm going to catch up to him, and I tell him, I'm going to beat you, you little punk. Every time we play after, <laughs> I'm going to get you next time. So no hate on my part. I, I'm just really happy that they're having success right now. Does that help you, you think, Abe, having played these guys when you were a teenager and now you're matching up with them in the pros? Does that give you more comfort going in there against them? Or you know, is, you feel like you maybe have more to prove? Uh, I think uh, the mentality be – well, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for them, but the mentality would be um, pride. You know, we got a lot of pride on the line growing up together. Um, 
I had some early wins against Luis. He didn't beat me until we got into uh, actual the pro stops in Salt Lake City. Might have been when he first beat me. But um, I, I think I'm just really motivated when I play both of them just because we grew up together. It's like losing to a brother. You know, you don't want to lose to a brother. I was surprised to kind of learn recently that you guys were all friends. I, I thought because of the rivalry you guys would be separated just a little bit but you know when talking to those guys they say oh yeah hey we you know we root for him and then you're saying that you root for him too so i I, it's a cool surprise not one of those surprises like what in the (laughs) hell are you talking about i don't mean it like that it's just a cool surprise because you know i'm thinking there has to be a little bit of rivalry yeah i remember watching dan when i was playing daniel i i see luis luis always gives him you know a couple pointers here and there but i always give him a little stare and i'm like what did you just say now like (laughs) against me yeah so i can do that because you know, we grew up together. There's no uh, animosity towards each other when we do that. But Plus, they're I'm good try, kids. Bet I, bet I am trying to make a point. Not everyone right enjoys that on-court coaching between points as much <laughs> as you. Well, that's true. Uh, they're good kids, too, yeah. and they have a good you know, family base. Dad is totally into the game, so I'm sure he's probably texting and emailing you, too. Yeah, I asked uh, Dad for advice when I played Daniel. He didn't <laughs> respond right. to me. Uh, you know, Speaking of Daniel, he's lost four main draw tiebreakers yeah. this, season, uh-huh. th- this season. Lenning, Pichot, Chavez, and Fink. And he's won two. That's Andy Nett and John Iglesias. And that was a great match against Iglesias yeah. in New York. So that's about where he's at. Only player in the top eight who has not advanced to the semifinals this season is Daniel Cordova. That's kind of strange. You would have thought he would have made it. But I think some of that thought from last year is lingering, where he, I think, did come in there in, in the semis at least once last year. Only has one semifinal in his career. That was 2015 in the round of eight. Beat him and got to the semifinals there. That's his only race for eight semifinals. So he has the least amount of semifinals amongst anyone in the top eight. His brother, Luis, has two. Did he is- defeat you at the Simple Green U.S. Open? He did. So that's Daniel his did. best win, I, I guess, would be because you're currently ranked number one. That would be yeah, his he played great win. there. Vic Perez, he advanced to the first semifinal appearance at Plummer. That's because he matched up against a hurt Mondo, but also has been playing good, and he has played good in the past, off and on. He has three rounds of 16 losses this season in six starts, which doesn't look good on paper. Played in one of the best matches of the season in the round of 16 in New York. Uh, rallying from game point down in both of those games to defeat his LAAC teammate, Marco Chavez, which you highlighted a little bit earlier. Well, it's funny because every tournament I tell Marcos, if you win this one, you have a chance to get in the top eight. And he always laughs at me. He says, well, I just keep winning. You know, he, he won round of 16 matches against Luis Cordova and Daniel Cordova in New Orleans and Houston. Or not in Houston, but in uh, Plummer and Houston. And he laughs at me. And the reality is if he would have won those game points against Vic Perez, he would have been in the top eight in this tournament. Yeah. So that was the difference. And, you know, unfortunately for Marcos, who's had a good year, uh, he's going to be the second seed in the qualifier. You know, we're going to take a break, Dave. Okay. And and I'd like to come back and talk about the qualifiers. We have a preview to do, unless you want to do something different. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to go against you. I know what no, happens I'm, when you do that. That's, we're right on schedule here. Might actually, lose a life, mm. a limb. I'm not sure what's going to happen, Abe. I know that we're going to ask you some questions. Cool. I'm ready. I don't know. I just think that we're going to ask, and it's going to be fun. So I want you to all stick around for that. We'll have more coming up here in segment number three as we give the Salt Lake City previews for not just the qualifiers and the pro men, but the seniors, the women. We had those fun facts and so much more. Stick around. It's the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast here on iTunes. You're listening to the Handball Radio Sportscast with Dave and Dave on TuneIn Radio, iTunes, and WPH Live TV. The WPH $200,000 Race for 8 Professional Handball Tour is back. 
Top handball players, qualifiers, senior 40-plus men, and women's elite will participate alongside amateurs, age division, juniors, and skill-level players at multiple stops beginning in October of 2016, running through April of 17. From the Simple Green U.S. Open of handball through Salt Lake City's Players' Championship, the WPH Live TV film crew will be airing matches on ESPN3 and the Watch ESPN app with hopes you come out and play or help promote this amazing game by sharing each event's broadcast schedule. To gather the full schedule, go to www.wphlive.tv and use your tabs. Select Elite Handball and then click the schedule, news, rankings, and more. Come join the WPH on the courts this season. It's the Dave and Dave Handball Radio Sportscast on WPH Live TV, iTunes, and TuneIn Radio. It is episode number 16 as we return here, segment three with Abraham Montijo in the house. Yeah. Hands together for Abe. (laughs) Did it once again. Uh, He made it into the studio. Tucson, Arizona, WPH Live TV Studios on Sunrise. Next to the golf course. First guy up, Dave, in the qualifier, Robbie McCarthy. Three-time oh, race freight champion. Just He's like played, that. Yeah, it's like yeah, we're, that. We're, we're I mean, you're just going to get right back into up. work. I was going <laughs> to talk about golf. and No, it's okay. Seven race freight starts for Robbie McCarthy. Three wins. In fact, he was one of two guys to have never lost in the round of 16 before New York, where he did lose in the round of 16 to Luis Cordova. 15-13, one of the match of the year candidates. We've talked about that a lot at the water cooler. But he's going to be putting that one behind him. He did take ninth there. He beat Emmett and Iglesias to win ninth there. So he has some momentum going into Salt Lake. I know that he told you, Dave, that he'll be training three times a day coming into Salt Lake City. So maybe it was a little bit of a wake-up call for him in New York. But he's always dangerous. We mentioned he's undefeated in Salt Lake City, 3-0 and with the title in 2014. I think he was a little under the weather in New York. He was coming off like almost you know, pneumonia, bronchitis type thing. And, and it's hard. I, I had it recently. Just getting over it this last week, everyone's kind of had this cold. And you say, well, I feel pretty good. But then when you get into the handball court and try to play it, you find out that if you don't have the lung capacity, you're you're cut in half. So it's 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 a tough. I'm not making excuses for him, but I do Sounds know. Sounds like you are. After I had it personally, you guys saw me in New York. I was not feeling too well. I didn't well. see you there. Strep throat. And I couldn't breathe after that. I tried to play handball for the first time in a couple years myself. So big shout out to uh, my doubles partner, mm-hmm. Shorty Ruiz. Oh, wow. And uh, and those that we oppose, like you, Abraham, and Brian we call Williams. Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. Yeah. So anyway, sorry big, to big get off track there. But win. I just wanted to say that I didn't have any breath whatsoever. And, and a lot of it's uh, a tribute to the bronchitis sim- symptoms. And I think Robbie had the same thing. Poor Robbie. Marco Chavez, Dave, the 43-year-old ageless wonder. He'll be the second seed in the qualifier. In fact, he's tied in race points with Robbie, but the coin flip meant that Robbie got that first seed, Marcos the second seed. Marcos has won three straight main draw tiebreakers, two against the Cordova brothers and one against Mondo Ortiz. He was the first person to ever defeat a number one seed in the round of 16. The number one seed had never lost before in the round of 16 until Marcos took down Mondo, who flew 22,000 miles that day to get there, lost in a tiebreaker. But then, in a you know, every match is big, but Really had his chance to jump into that top eight for Salt Lake City with the injury of Emmett, but lost that very close match to Vic Perez. That was not a tiebreaker. Two game points that he had. We discussed that. Abe, we talked a little bit about what makes Marcos so tough. Talk about when you beat Marcos in Tucson. I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but definitely has to be one of your biggest wins. 
Yeah, it probably is. Actually, that's probably my best tournament in the ever in the race for eight stop. I finished fifth that tournament. Qualified, beat Marcos in a breaker. That was a really tough match. And then I lost to Luis Moreno in a tiebreaker the following round mm. of quarters. And then I took down Sean Lenning and Steve Cooney for fifth. Wow. So I, I just felt confident that tournament. Yeah. All the shots were working. And uh-huh. it was just one of those tournaments where yeah. I was on. You're also playing at home. And there's something yeah. about you know how to play in that yeah, court. Yeah, fired up. No, I want to support the support the people here. So And yeah. the show court, you just kind of you know all the weird cracks and where to hit the ball. But I, I remember just really briefly at that tournament, I, I said, how did that feel about Marcos? You said it just really quickly. I've always wanted to do that. And I think everybody, you know, Marcos is a veteran, so I think everybody's wanted to beat Marcos one time in their life. It's not easy. That to was do. actually my first time playing him, so it yeah. was one for one. Yeah, it's a, it's a good feeling. Jonathan Iglesias is your next ranked qualifier. He's the third seed in the qualifier. Not had a good year. In fact, he sort of hovered in that top ten because of that semifinal result he had in Salt Lake City 12 months ago, which stays on the books until now, where it comes off because we only count this season's points. But 0-4 in main draw tiebreakers this year for Jonathan. I mean, you talk about just how important a couple shots are here and there. Jonathan loses to Emmett Pichot 11-8 tiebreaker at the U.S. Open. That match could have gone either way. That was about a three-hour match. Vic Perez beats him in a tiebreaker in Plummer. Sean Lenning defeats him in a tiebreaker with 1.1 arms in Houston. And then he loses that really good match to Daniel Cordova. So even if he grabs two of those wins, he's very likely in the top eight. And instead, he gets none, and he doesn't advance, believe it or not, does not advance to a quarterfinal all season. Well, after Sean Lenning beat him in Houston, and John gets his bag and then just exits the club and doesn't come back until 1 o'clock the next day, forfeiting all of his playoff matches, would that have made a difference? No, because Jonathan sits at about 8 points right now. Even had he won that that playoffs, he's only at about 9.5 now, I'm just ballparking because I don't have it in front of me. But that but, would increase his chances of getting more points to become a top eighter. Well, even if he won that playoffs, he still would be behind Marcos. So he'd be in the same spot. Okay. He only could have gained 1.5 more points there, which would not have been the difference between overtaking Marcos. All right. Abe, you're up next. Uh, hampered by that left shoulder sprain that you suffered on match point against Emmett Pichot at the Memorial in November, you decided to make the trip to Minnesota anyway, even with that very badly sprained uh, I'll, I'll say AC joint maybe yeah, okay I, I saw that I was actually getting ready to play the next match and looking through the the window there and your shoulder just went crashing into that wall it was terrible but you managed to defeat Lauren Collado after trailing 15 to 4 in the qualifier and then you had Luis Cordova on the ropes which I'm sure was a, a pleasant surprise because going in there you probably thought if I can just qualify I know how it is when you come into these tournaments injured and you're thinking you know, let me just get one win in here, and I'll be content. But you had a nice tournament there, and you know, you've had a good season. You know, Daniel Cordova in New Orleans, very close match. You had game point there. You skipped New York, but, you know, you're going to come into Salt Lake City feeling fresh, and I think probably feeling pretty good. You're playing a lot of ball here locally. Yeah, um, you know, just recently started working again, so I'm probably not playing as much as I should. But that's okay because sometimes when you're injured or you just don't feel it, you know, taking some time off yeah. is actually okay. Um I feel great uh, physically. Uh, I've been playing ball this week, and I'm not injured. The left shoulder is not even a bother. I don't worry about it. It's been fine the last two tournaments or so, so I'm ready to go. I'm excited for this tournament. Now, let me ask you, Abe. You've played in probably as many qualifiers as anybody, and you've qualified probably as many times as anybody. You'd have to look up the stats, but you're either first, second, or third in most successful qualifying attempts. 
do you start looking down the list of names in the qualifier and thinking, well, I might be playing him. I could be playing him. I mean, do you start because you don't really see the draw until probably the day before the tournament, if not the day of. So are you doing any kind of recon, any research to say, right. well, I might run into, you know. Is it sad that I might be doing that? Yeah, I kind of am sometimes. Uh, when I have some downtime, I'm looking at who's entered, um, who is probably going to be in front of me, which is the previous three mentioned uh, qualifiers. Yeah. So, yeah, I do look look ahead a little bit, uh, try to prepare myself, see what, what kind of shots I should be working on before I get to the actual event. How tough is that, though, as a competitor? Because, you know, you see in boxing, these guys prepare for the opponent for three months, four months. You know, you see, like, Canelo and Chavez. They've known they were fighting each other since probably January, and they're going to fight in May. So their single focus is that you probably get 30 minutes, and they say, well, here, you're playing, you know, Lauren Collado, who you've maybe never even played before. How tough is that? Is it add pressure, that apprehension, or does it kind of just say, well, you know, I don't know who I'm playing. I'm just going to go in there and do my thing. I think the latter of where you have to do your own thing. Uh, prepare yourself as best as possible as you do for every tournament. And that way, regardless of who you play, you're just mainly focused on your body, your shots. And if you practice the right way, then regardless of who you're playing, uh, you should be set. You and should be. It's very similar, you know, when you're in that top eight because you're looking at the qualifier list and saying, I don't want to play him. I don't want to play him. I've already played him, so I can't play him. So now you're thinking, okay, there's five guys I can play. I don't want to play these three. You know, so there's a lot of mind games that goes into it. And then, you know, that blind draw happens. You don't know, you know, whatever can happen, happens. Now, Abe, I have to ask you who your favorite is going into this event. Now, your favorite could be someone in the Elite Eight or even someone in the Qualifier. Uh, well, I'll say the my favorite to win this whole event is it's got to be Killian. Uh He's number one currently after playing the least amount of pro stops of, of the three. And, I mean, I mean he's a, more in shape than anyone out there. Yeah. Uh, he's focused. He's not unbeatable, for sure, but, I mean, by no stretch of the imagination. He's definitely beatable. Uh, but that being said, not a lot of people have executed the shots to beat him. And mainly because later in the game, people are tired when they're playing him and they can't finish the shots. And that's never a problem with him. So because of that, I think he's favored to win this event. Uh, but there are a couple spoilers. Uh, one spoiler spoiler I see in the top eight is it's Mondo. Um, if he's recovered, uh, I, I see no reason why he can't upset anyone in that top eight. Uh, so Mondo, there's your shout out, buddy. And, well, Mondo's uh, had a lot of success against Killian. In fact, beat him twice last season and then beat him at the U.S. Open this year. You remember we beat him in New York, also in Tucson in the race for eight, five season. So he feels comfortable against Killian, and he looks good playing him when he's healthy. So that's a matchup for me as a fan You'd that I love to, to watch. One. Yeah, Absolutely. it's a great one. You, I mean, you could expect no timeouts. It's just yeah. nonstop action, which is, which is fantastic. And then out of the qualifiers, uh, I say Robbie. Robbie's uh, your most dangerous qualifier. Uh, I mean, he had an off tournament in New York. I'm sure he... He wants to show better if he well, which he is coming back to Salt Lake, so he wants to show what he's really got. I'm sure. I mean, there's a lot of pride in the Irish, and he wants to represent his country. So he, I mean, he's one that I'm sure none of the top eight want to draw. Dave, you heard Abe's picks. He's he's kind of singled out Killian, Mondo, and Robbie. Where are you coming into this this championship? Exact same thing. Okay. I mean, I look. At, here's one X factor here. Which Mondo Ortiz are we going to get? Are we going to get the one that we saw in Minnesota? Because that guy is not getting beat by anybody in this tournament. So 
he's winning it. It doesn't matter if you throw everybody in his side of the bracket. He's winning. If the, if it's the hurt arm one that we saw in Plummer versus Vic Perez, then he's off the board. So we have to wipe that off. So we don't know which one's going to show up because only he knows. So it's this is an impossible pick. But he may not even know because right now he could be feeling great and then you know something tweaked in the I, middle of the tournament. I have a feeling that if he's going to take New York off, then he's going to put everything out on the floor here for Salt Lake City. So I'm going to have to say he's probably the favorite of my in my opinion. Now, the second thought on this is, and I don't have the the brackets memorized, but Luis Moreno, if he is going to go to Colorado to go into higher elevation to go into training, which he told me he was going to do, and then he actually did it. That's one of the rare times that he actually said he was going to do something and then actually did it. Then I believe that type of focus is the type of focus you need to win these tournaments. So now Moreno is kind of up there with me, and I, I know I'm hedging, but it's sort of like what you're saying. These are my picks. I'm, I'm with you all the way on this. Moreno's still up there because if, if he comes in and plays like he did at Plummer, I don't think even Mondo from Minnesota would beat him. I think that's a close matchup so because that, they what were, you saw them do to guys was very similar. Very similar. Yeah, I mean, he can make people look so silly. I mean, more silly than anyone. I mean, maybe him and Sean Lenny can make people look ridiculous. Yeah, and, and Paul Brady. It. Yeah, and I mean, Paul, Paul, but that's the thing. In it. You know, the, the strange thing about this is there's elevation. Moreno seems to have that covered right now because he's he's running up hills and he's in Colorado at even a higher elevation. And he, and he went three weeks to a month ahead of time because that's the important thing that you need to do. You can't just do it one week and think that you're going to acclimate yourself. This actually takes time, and there's a lot of math involved, and we don't have a scientist in the room. I did stay at a Holiday Inn last night, though. Mondo Ortiz has told me on several occasions that the Players' Championship is where he peaks. That's where he wants to play his best and usually does. And if you look at his track record, he's played some amazing handball at the Players' Championships. Defeated Paul Brady there. 2015, he almost won it. Lost to Sean Lenning in a very close tiebreaker in the final. Last year, he played really well to make the semifinals and lost to Sean, also in a tiebreaker there. So he's he's the kind of guy that likes the peak for this event, and that's another reason he's dangerous. Yeah, it's this is one of those weird things where you can't say Robbie McCarthy or Killian Carroll uh, you know, are going to meet in the finals. They're actually going to play each other somewhere before that happens. So that means that only one of those guys is going to make it. Which one is it going to be? That's going to be a, a thrill in itself. So uh, and and it, depending on how Mondo's playing, will they even make it that far? So it's it's a very interesting thing. I, I it's hard to say that you go against any of our number ones. So Dave, you're you're in the mix as well. You would have to face if the seeds held true. You would face Luis Moreno in probably a semifinal or mm-hmm. quarters. Okay, right, so semi. semifinal, mm-hmm. and therefore that could go either way. You defeated him in Minnesota, right? But then got defeated after that twice. Okay, so. If you want to, you know, to balance everything out, you'd have to take a give him a beating, I guess. So, I any one of you number ones could be in the finals, and who's going to win really, I think, comes down to how well Mondo's arm is, hmm. and and that's just my opinion on that. Yeah. I think it comes down to Mondo. Let's <laughs> jump into the women's race for eight, Dave. Katrina Casey going for her fourth straight women's race for eight players championship. Now, let's talk a little bit about the format before we jump into the favorites. A round-robin format. It's going to be so much fun. Twelve women entered. There's going to be two groups of six women in each group. They're going to all play one another. The winner from each group will then face one another for the final, for the championship. That'll be on Sunday morning. So it's going to be a lot of matches for the ladies. It's going to be a l- very exciting for the fans. And I think it's going to be fun for the for the women that are playing. I hope it is. Mm. Now, these are going to be... It's very similar to that format that we once had years ago when we first started the race when we had... 
upper bracket round robin, lower bracket round robin. The winner of each one of those brackets faces each other. The the loser would go for third place, and then in, and, and so on. So it was it was a round robin to we, begin with, but then we broke it down and actually had placements. We did that once at the Players' Championship 2013 right. in Seattle. There were two groups of four in each group, and like very similar. Yes. Very similar. Now, this is two groups of six. They're going to play one-game matches to 21. They could go by really quickly, but right. that's going to give every one of the women players a chance to actually play another women's player that you've either aspired to play or maybe mm-hmm. is one of your crosstown rivals. So right. uh, though it's a 21-point match, when you see somebody like, let's say... Katrina Casey go up against, uh, let's say, Amy Olbert, for example. That could be a match that we've always wanted to see, and it'll be it'll be exciting to watch. They're, these brackets are somewhat balanced out. It's going to be one game matches to twenty one, and they're going to play back to back matches. So, if a Katrina Casey plays the number, you know, six seed in her bracket, she will then turn right around and play the number five right afterwards. So it'll be just like she's playing a regular match to 21, two games to 21. Right. Katrina Casey, Dave, uh, won 11 of 12 women's race for eight events that have been held in the history of the women's tour. Started in 2014, I believe. This is the fourth season. Maybe 2013. 2013, 2014 was the first season. Katrina Casey has is the only player to have played in all 12 stops. She's 5-0 and in Salt Lake City. She's won every player's championship. She's only lost one match in 12 tournaments. That was an 11-9 tiebreaker to two-time world champion Ashling Riley. So, to me, she's the most dominant athlete in the world. And with that said, she could still lose here because there are some players in this tournament well, yeah. that are pretty damn good. Right, and then Martina McMahon, ranked number two now, her highest ranking. She's been to two women's race for eight finals, New York last year and this year. Lost to Katrina in two games in both those finals. But she's proven, in Ireland at least, that she can beat Katrina. She beat Katrina in the 60 by 30 All-Ireland Championships. Then she beat her in the She's Aces in January. So two tournament wins against Katrina. In the U.S., she's never taken a game off her, though. They did have a great match at the U.S. Open. Abe, pretty sure you saw that one at Los Caballeros. Amazing handball from both ladies there. Yeah, I think uh, she could stay with Katrina. more. Uh, speaking about Martina, you know, Katrina just somehow finds a way to pass her at the end. Yeah. And part of it might be her fitness, but I think uh, the biggest factor is just the, the, the mentality of Katrina is just superior to the other women right now. Have you ever seen anyone make adjustments as often and as successfully, Abe, as Katrina does? I mean, rarely. Um, this includes men, too. Yeah, I mean, right. she... I mean, she has these adjustments that she makes uh, a lot like, uh, let's say, maybe even Chapman that used mm-hmm. to make. Right. You know, little things that might not seem like a big deal. And all of a sudden, she's up by five or six or seven right. points because of minor adjustments, such as changing from a lob to a, a lobster to a left to a overhand lob to a left. You know, just little changes that she does make a huge difference. I noticed against Martina in New York just a couple weeks ago, she just was determined after, you know, it was pretty close in the early goings, about 5-5. Five, five. She pushed every ball to the backcourt, you know, and forced Martina to just play from behind the dotted line. And from there, it was not really much of a match because Katrina ended up scoring, you know, about 25 of the last 27 points of the match. She just forced her into these tough spots, and Martina started to get a little bit impatient. She started to rush some shots and force them, and then you can't do it against Katrina. Yeah, and I think there's only two women in this bracket that could actually challenge and defeat her, and that's Martina and Sienna. Uh, those two have the ability to shoot the ball and I think that's what it takes to be someone like Katrina is you got to be aggressive must be able to shoot the ball and put some kind of pressure on her because if she's got no pressure then you know she's going to steamroll everybody. Sienna's interesting to me because 
Katrina seems to bring out the best in her game. Even though she's never beat her, just seems like Sianna's game goes to another level when she's playing her. I know you saw that, Dave, in Portland last year and also, to some extent, in New York this year. Yeah, the Portland match, if you saw that, Abe... I believe it, I did. It was just unreal. You're watching him play, you go, this is, like, totally entertaining here. Amazing. She seems to be sparring with her right up until a certain point of the match happens, and then Katrina pulls away. Mm-hmm. And you can't say it's all about conditioning, but you can say it is about what you mentioned. She makes these little mid-court, mid-tournament, mid-match, mid-game you know, game adjustments that are so subtle at the moment... But then later you look back and say, oh, that's when she went to that overhand drive serve that hits the sidewall and comes off the back wall. Uh, you're thinking center. why she'd do you know? that. And then, yeah, and then there it is, why. five more points, and she ends up closing it out. And you look at the score line, and you might say, well, 21-16, yeah, it was fairly close. But no, it was like, no, that was really close until she made that adjustment. But, you know, watching Sianna play some of the other top women, she doesn't look as incredible as she does when she plays Katrina. But yet she loses against well, Katrina. Well, I think that's because she's a great great competitor and she really gets up for these right, matches that's what I, I mean. think she's really pulling herself up there now the big thing is if Sianna plays Martina McMahon that's the one I want to see yeah. because I think she's going to lift her game up for that because there's not a controversy but I'm sure there's people talking in Ireland not so much now where Martina's kind of pulled herself away from the pack but for a while there it was Sianna that was the you know, the second best or third best behind if you want to throw in Ashley and Riley. Obviously, she's a world champion, but she's yeah. injured right now. Mm-hmm. So it was Sienna and Martina were always kind of that number four, three and tied four. for third and fourth, yeah. but they never did play. So now we'll hopefully have a chance to see them play in Salt Lake City. Yeah. That's definitely one that circled on my scorecard watching those two. That'll be a great match. Yeah, even if it is a one game match to 21, I still want to see it. And- Martina defeated Sianna at the She's Aces tournament. That was a one-game match to 25-25 to 9. Surprising. Yeah. But you certainly would never rule Sianna out of I a match. No. I'm not. I'm not going to. And speaking of her, uh, obviously completely talented. She's a two-sport star. Uh, she has an immense upside. She's a shooter. She's aggressive. She's very strong. We saw what she did outdoors when she went to the X-Fest in, in Venice. Also won Vegas LTE last year. Yeah, I mean, just incredibly strong. I yeah. mean, just so strong. You wouldn't believe it. Right. That's how strong she is. Um, she became the first woman to advance to, uh, you know, a- against Katrina Casey, taking her to a tiebreaker right. early on, 2015 New York. I mean, that that kind of says a lot in itself. And yeah. then since then, she's kind of focused on that other sport. But, mm. you know, she's got an incredible upside. Yeah. Hey, guys, I want you to keep talking. Yeah. But I have a special guest here, and I need to go out front. Wow. Yeah, this is very rare for me to leave the control panel. Abe, Tracy Davis who lived in Tucson for a while. I'm sure you sparred with her. 39 years old and still playing great handball. She won the women's pro, a non-women's race for eight stop at Plummer. But she defeated Amy Albert there, defeated Courtney Pichot de Mello in the final. So she's still got an amazing game. She's probably the fittest player on either tour. She's coming in here, taking fifth in New York, lost a very close match to Amy Albert that would have put her in the semifinals. But obviously with her serve and shoot game, a threat. Yeah, she's terrific. I'm, I mean, it's incredible what she's doing at this age. Um, she maintains her body extremely well. I'd compare her her fitness to yours. As as we get older, some people don't take care of themselves, and yourself and Tracy are the exception to that, where you guys really maintain your bodies. So I, I like her style. I mean, she has great style, great grace on the court. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's in there to win. She's right. not going to go in there and play these Irish girls and, and say, okay, I'm going to lose this one. Right. That's not her mentality her mentality is she's trying to win 
And, you know, if these girls ever have an off day where they're not on their game and, and you know, take her serious, she can knock one of these girls off. I mean, hands down. I mean, her serve and shoot style makes a big difference. I've noticed, Abe, and I don't know if you have as well. You weren't in New York, but you were at Plummer. Tracy seems to be even more competitive now at 39 than I remember her being 10 years ago when I was watching her play. I mean, she seems to just have this this extra oomph, this extra competitive nature now compared to 10 years ago. Yeah, she might be outside, outside the corner and say, oh, this game. And it just frustrates the hell out of us. But when she gets in there playing, it's like, yeah, this game, I, I got to win at this yeah. game. And she's just learning as the years go by. She continues to learn. Uh, if she ever mastered her back wall, especially with her left hand, right. uh, I mean, she would be up there. That's something she practiced a lot. But Amy Albert, I'm not sure we've ever seen a woman come onto the Women's Race Freight Tour really out of nowhere. She had a nice result there at Plummer taking third. But what a splash she made in New York. Defeats Eva McCarthy and Tracy to get to the semifinals in, in, in her first Women's Race Freight start. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I mean, I wish I could have seen that those matches. I, unfortunately, I wasn't there, but... Seeing her play at the plumber mm-hmm. against Tracy, that was one of the best women's matches I've seen in my life. Okay, that yeah. was hands down was like fun. entertainment. You yeah. could not take your eyes off that game. You Other than the there. referee trying to ruin ruin that game, which is I believe what the ref tried to do, it was a great match. Well, Tracy had two avoidables called against her at late in the third game, eleven thirteen. Two avoidables go against her. She still wins that match, 15-13. Yeah, exactly. And then they turned around and did the same thing in New York. 15-12, to 12, Amy wins that one in the third game. So I'd say they're the two most evenly matched players in this entire draw that yep. could match up against yeah, each other. It's almost like Tracy trying to fight down, uh, fight, fight off the youth of, yeah. of uh, Amy. And it, it's great to see. I love it. Uh, I mean, two great competitors. Amy's just brand new to this scene, so uh, we all wish her well on this tour. But uh, don't you think also when an aging athlete – gets up there and you know the body can't do the, what it used to do when it was younger it doesn't recover as quick you try to get this different advantage whether that's an you know mental advantage uh, gamesmanship you're, you're fighting for different things and i see a transformation in in players like tracy davis and even marco chavez and i do agree and i haven't looked at it the way you did abe when you said well hey this is a game i've been playing long enough now i should be doing better than i i am or i should you know keep up at least so maybe there's part of that with Tracy, but I also believe that, you know, she's she's 40 now. She just turned 40 over right at the end of New York. Right. And there's a part of you that says, hey, my mind is really sharp. I know what I want to do in here. My body is not really listening to me. And then you get a little bit more chippy. You get a little bit more competitive and, and fiery, and you start fist pumping when you wouldn't have done that 20 years earlier. Because these do mean a lot to you when you get older. Dave, yep. you know what it feels like. You find, you know, you finally had a breakthrough season this year. Mm-hmm. Talking about Luis Cordova having a comeback player of the year or, you know, having the player of the year from the, you know, New Horizon Award winner or whatever. But Dave, you're in that running as well. And when you got that, you know, first finals appearance and you fist pumped and you knew how important that was to you, a lot of that's because of your age. You wouldn't be fist pumping if you were 26. I think I would have. <laughs> maybe, I think I would too. Maybe so. Maybe so. But a lot of it is the age. Trust me. Aoife McCarthy, Jessica Gawley, and Suze Kohler also in that women's round robin bracket. And, you know, we talk about Tracy, Amy, and now Aoife and Jessica and, and Suze. These are all very close matches. Yeah. I mean, you put these names in, you don't know who's going to come out of, of these matchups. I mean, Tracy versus Jessica, they've had a great rivalry the, since the women's race fade started and even before it. 
Suze Kohler is new on the scene, but she's also another one of these ladies that is extremely fit, extremely competitive, and she's right there at that level. Jessica Golly, we never know what to expect. She's got the shoulder injury, but she's also very fit in her 40s. She's been to Women's Race for eight finals before. Hillary Rush, another great player who's, yeah, who's mean, coming in and, and right at that level and at a very high level all these women are and who knows what's going to happen it's kind of like interchangeable kind of like they yeah. could weave in and out of wins i could see Eva mccarthy beating anybody here right. you look back to new york she loses to tracy davis it was still a great match but she hasn't always lost you know right. so she amy beat tracy Olbert, at the u.s open yeah amy olbert you know splitting with tracy the last two times they played i know you know we're heading back the wrong direction here, but Hillary Rush uh, has defeated and, and also has been defeated by Amy Olbert. So you got a lot of players that have these one-on-one records or one win, two losses, or two wins, one loss. So anything could happen. And then Jessica Gulley's kind of the X factor because her arm was hurt. She was going to have surgery. And then who's to say she could beat somebody like Suze Kohler, who's right. you know just playing remarkable handball, too. So... Yeah. It's it's just also very competitive. It's a good time right now, at least for this tournament for women's handball, because yeah. I think we're going to see some good matches, even if they are played to twenty one. Yeah. For some of those early ones, the finals and third place will be played out. I think maybe even more exciting going to twenty one because you're getting to the finish line more quickly. Yeah. So, senior race freight really quick. Dave Marco Chavez going for his third senior race freight players championship. He's five and zero in Salt Lake City in senior race freight play. He's won both senior stops this season. That amazing win or loss at the U.S. Open, however you want to look at it. I don't think Nadia Alvarado looks at it as a... Well, he's got the money. He's got the money, okay. He's got the money, honey. And he also defeated Nadi two weeks later in Minnesota, that time in two games. So he's coming in here undefeated, senior race for eight on the season. John Bike, very good friend of the WPH, the only Hall of Famer to ever play in a race for eight event, both in the race for eight men's pro and the senior race for eight. John is, you know, I, I call him, I guess, Brett Favre. How many times has he retired officially now? I mean, he we've got the papers sitting right there, <laughs> and we've retired. had to shred them, but he's back. I tried to shred them, but you stopped me. Yeah, well, I won't allow it. He's like the share of professional handball. I mean, he's yeah. made that many farewell tours. Right. But, I mean, I hope that it never ends. Love seeing him at the tournaments. He's also going to be doing some announcing with us. And I'm, uh-huh. Abe, you'll probably be in that booth as well. You do a great job in there. Dan but, Armijo, ranked Dan, number two. Right. He's I've always consistent he plays in all the stops and he, the only guys that beat him are you know marco chavez and nadia Alvarado. so otherwise he's taken down pretty much everybody beat danny bell at the u.s open in a yeah. tiebreaker so chris watkins the waddy dog and he's he could be great i mean oh yeah waddy is a like a microwave he gets hot and he gets that serve and shoot going very dangerous took marcus to a tiebreaker at the u.s open and we also have a guy that doesn't get a lot of credit, but that's because he enters a lot of these turn- tournaments and then never shows up. That's Robert Sostry, everybody. So, you know, <laughs> Robert Sostry could be a... I'm kind of predicting that he could be up there. And then Jared Bale, who we saw in New York, he's going to be playing in the brackets. Sonny, Sonny Roberts. Mm-hmm. You know Steve, right? Okay, oh, yeah, so he's, he, he's a good player. He's a really good player. He's going to have to play Sostry, and the winner plays John Bike. Wow. I believe that's how it's going to go. And I think that either one of those three guys could advance. I wouldn't say that John's going to beat those... Those guys. So I John's mean, coming off a long layoff from small ball handball, so he's going to be trying to rely on that amazing experience. Former number one, two-time national four-wall singles champion, probably got twenty national pro titles at least. Yeah, if you include three-wall and doubles, four-wall. Real quick, Dave, the WPH Outdoor rolls into Salt Lake City. I think we should just 
do that in the last segment because I really want to get to some stand-up okay. hilarity. Okay. So I want you to stick around for that. Yeah. Are you cool with that, Abe? I'm cool with that. Okay, let's just take a real quick break. Okay. Like, just like a... I'm telling you, it's like going to be really quick. And then we'll come back for segment number four, okay? Okay. Okay? Yeah. Okay? okay. You guys are okay with that? Okay. All right. Sounds like you're okay with it. It is the Dave and Dave Handball Radio Sportscast here on iTunes and TuneIn Radio with Abraham Montijo on segment number six. Teen. We'll have, we'll have more coming up right around the corner. Segment four is on the way where we will preview the Outdoor Cup in just a bit. In the meantime, though, it's stand-up hilarity. This campaign is disgusting. <laughs> Batman versus Superman. <laughs> uh, are you kidding me with this here now? Bruce Wayne, they shouldn't even be on the same poster. There is no competition here. You know what I mean? Think about it. Batman, big shot, right? Shows up at a little costume party with the outfit, the little mask with the pointy ears. The utility belt <laughs> with a flashlight and a chain ladder and some pepper spray. What's he say? Stop. I'm going to mace you. <laughs> Drives around this guy, right? Drives around in a little souped-up Trans Am with the big rims. You, you can meet this guy at any gas station changing out the battery with his little assistant, Robin. Good morning, boys and girls. They liked us so much, iTunes picked them up. What is it with these ding-dongs? I know, crazy, right? It's the Dave and Dave Handball Radio Sportscast on WPH Live TV. From outdoor tournament planning, the Race for Eight professional tour on ESPN, junior handball development, coaching and mentoring, or creative handball marketing, the world players of handball has set out to grow the sport through innovation. Junior WPH is flourishing. They have a full-time development director and coach on staff, a hot new coaching manual that is a must-grab, and a department of instructors that will train, mentor, teach, and introduce handball to over 5,000 new recruits a year. Without your donations and membership support, though, the WPH would not be where they are today. The WPH is a 501c3 nonprofit foundation. Please encourage others in your area to support, donate, volunteer, here and give. Visit the WPH website at WPHlive.tv or go to thehandballstore.com to purchase your merchandise, player's card, all-access video pass, or donation. 100% of web store sales goes right back into the development of the game. The world players of handball at WPH Live TV thanks you for your continued support. Stay tuned for our Thursday show. A new study finds 45 potentially toxic consumer product chemicals in something every home has. Dust. Ten chemicals were detected in at least 90% of the homes. Where did this sudden fear of germs come from? Pittsburgh is getting experimental driverless Uber cars. What is it? The Ninth Industry 2000. Oh my gosh, it feels like a Friday. So wish it was. It's not, not right. though. <laughs> Still feels like it nonetheless. It's episode 16, Dave and Dave Handball Radio Sportscast with Abraham Montijo in the hizzy. This is the Montijo edition. Okay, it's the Salt Lake City Preview Edition. We've been talking about it. We talked about the elite guys, talked about the qualifiers, the senior guys, the women. But I was just thinking back. We forgot to mention a couple of the top qualifiers, like yeah. like Dalton Beal, Adam Bernhardt. Shorty, Shorty Ruiz. Shorty Ruiz. Yeah. 
could win this damn thing. That's okay. Shorty is playing some amazing handball. Dave, you saw him at the Hall of Fame tournament. Maybe the best we've ever seen him play. But then also against Killian Carroll in Houston, where he was outstanding. Yeah, no. Led he- Killian Carroll late in that second game. He was the only player to score double figures against Killian in Houston. He actually led 12-9, I think, there. Right, Abe? I know you were watching that yeah, one. Yeah, he had a huge lead the whole time. And then yeah. last minute, one or two handers made a big difference. But, yeah, can I change my vote for a most dangerous qualifier? Well, Shorty's very <laughs> yeah, dangerous. Too late for that. I know that you play him here locally, Abe, and you see exactly what we're talking about. I play him as well quite a bit. And just feels like when he's doing his thing, you can't do anything. He takes the game out of your hands. You know, great serves, great first strikes. Great personality. Mm-hmm. He'll also be in the WPH Outdoor, where he'll be about the sixth seed, but it'll be Samson Hernandez entering the WPH Outdoor sixth season, third stop of the year. Samson is your number one player. He's got the most singles wins in WPH Outdoor history with 13, just picked up his 13th at the last stop. And Almost, if, he, if he shows up, yeah. this guy is, you know, he could be – Great in the big ball and in the qualifier. Uh, I mean, uh, when he wants to do it in small ball, absolutely yeah, he's, tremendous. He's player. thrilling. Yeah, he took you to a breaker one time in Tucson. Yeah, he, he took was, me to a breaker last year. I think. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy, yeah, right? Very, very it's good. unorthodox. He hits the ball hard. He doesn't seem to know all the unwritten rules, which is it's makes nice. him it's like it, it's a disadvantage <laughs> to you when you play him because yeah. of that. And he gets to everything. Yeah, I mean, just makes amazing gets. He's got so much grit, and that's you know one of the big reasons he is the number one player on the tour and the 13-time champion just coming off the Bob Harris win. Eight and one on the season in singles. He's held match point in every one of those matches. He had match point in the finals of the Iceman and lost to Manny Suarez, who we'll talk about. Timbo Gonzalez, Dave, one of your favorites, ranked number two right now, finalist. He's also number two on my favorites list. Sorry, Timbo. Well, I mean, top five is pretty good, you know. Yeah. Finalist at the... Royal Flush, I'm semi-finalist. A, I'm a Geo guy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> semi-finalist last year in Salt Lake City, where it was kind of his coming out party in four-wall big ball. Right. Lost to Marco Chavez. That was one of the longest matches we've ever seen in big ball. Close to two hours. But Timbo is going to come in here. He's looking to pick up his first four-wall title. He's got the one-wall WPH Outdoor Singles titles, the three-wall WPH Outdoor Singles titles, and now he just needs the trifecta. Yeah, he was almost a cup champion last year, too, in Vegas, and it came down to like a half a point difference. If he wouldn't have hobbled off with that knee injury. Manny Suarez. Good dude. I mean, came out of nowhere. First time I heard that he played four walls in the finals of the Simba Green U.S. Open doubles when they got rained out and came inside. He wins that match against... Juan Santos and Fredo, I think one of the biggest upsets we've seen based on how good Santos and Fredo are in four wall. And he wins that one. Then he goes and wins the Iceman, his first singles competition. Which was indoors. Right. It was sort of like he was introduced to indoor. Now he's going to go stay there. And he's now one of the best. Right. And, and unfortunately for him, he was not able to make the Royal Flush because he was ranked number one after Iceman. And now he's dropped down to, I think, number four or five. But he's, of course, going to be dangerous. He's never lost a four wall singles match in his tournament career. Plays on the same courts that Dave Chapman grew up playing handball on, in fact, in Long Beach. Shorty Ruiz, we mentioned just at the opening of this segment, very, very dangerous crossover star. He's dangerous in big ball and small ball. He's the only player currently ranked on both the Race Freight and WPH Outdoor Tours. Yeah, I I would say that Marcos would be on that list, but, you know, you have to play the tournaments to get ranked. Right. Chava Cordova, Abe, I know you've watched a lot of Chava. I have. 
the guy is just freakishly talented. I mean, right? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's lanky and strong and athletic, um, a lot like Santos is. Uh, but no one pays attention to him, really. I do. I don't know how he ever loses yeah. a match. I don't understand. No, I mean, he, he's amazing. He's, he's long arms. Seems like he can get to every shot. Hit. Power. Does it ever get tired? I mean, unreal. Yeah. How does he lose? Uh, he, I just, they're always close. Every match that he loses yeah. is really close. I mean, the thing I mean, that impresses me from these top guys that we're seeing is their shots from overhand. They right. have these overhand spikes that just die into the corners, and Chava is no different. I mean, uh, I mean, I wish I could learn that shot. It's, it's unreal. Antonio Chavez, newcomer on the tour, also making a big splash like we've seen in some of the other brackets. Semifinals of the Royal Flush, losing to Samson Hernandez there. Right. From Northern California, and it's nice to see those top players from Northern California coming and playing in these stops because they add a lot. You've got also Moro Rojas. Yeah, who he's actually also a Stockton guy. He's like almost 40. Right. And I believe Antonio Chavez defeated Rojas 11-10 in a tiebreaker at the Royal Flush. Yeah, it makes sense. And Rojas is a good guy. He's actually an engineer on the BNSF. Mm. Sal Duenas making his 33rd. 34th straight WPH Outdoor Star. He's the only guy that's appeared in every single one. And but congratulations to Sal. Just had his second child here in the last week. Thought he was going to miss Salt Lake City, but the, the baby came a few weeks early. So he's he's also the only guy to always appear in the other notable stars section mm. of our <laughs> yeah. preview list. John Iglesias not playing in this. He backed no, out. Not. He wants to focus on the singles there. Okay. And then Joshu Tellez. I didn't know that he was in the bracket, but if he is, <laughs> he's now my favorite to win. <laughs> Probably should pay attention a little bit more, but uh, he's a good player, too. Great Excellent. player, in fact. Excellent. Really good. Turned he, a lot of heads there at the U.S. Open. A lot of the, the fans there already knew Joshu. I didn't. Uh, I just couldn't believe it. Too bad for you. I didn't know it to the U.S. Open. That was you and I webcasted his yeah. match against uh, Santos, I think, eh? That guy's a rock star. Wow, I saw him in 2010 in Vegas, but I just I don't think I put it together that it was the same guy because it had been so long. But yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Well, Dave, that's our preview. Okay. Abe, we're cutting it close, so we're going to have to do something different now. Hope you understand. Time for celebrity birthdays. Wow. I was worried there. Didn't think it was going to happen. Hugh Hefner, 91. Wow. Surprised he made it this this far. Dennis Quaid, 63. I think he's in one of your favorite baseball movies, right? Wasn't he the rookie? I didn't I didn't watch it. Yeah. Didn't really like it. But okay. Yeah, I mean he, I liked him in Caveman, mm. the old Ringo Starr, Shelley Long film from the 70s, early 80s. Sorry, Kristen you, you Stewart, don't know that. A, uh, a braid around your age, 27. I believe you're 28 this year. Yes, sir. Okay, so right around there. Are you a Twilight fan? Not at all. No. Oh, that's no. too bad. That's unfortunate. Not really. I got you her autographed picture, but I guess we're just going to have to send it back. I'll Steven keep... Seagal, 66. Yeah. What you kind of uh, fighting a... does he do? Is that uh, karate? Like, I thought it was something that? that he made up. I, I really yeah. do. That's what it looks like in slow motion. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Taekwondo? Is that, Could be. Is that what he does? He act, has a house in Montague, California. Hmm. Don't ask me how I know that. Babyface, yep. singer and produ- big in the Kenny, '90s. Kenny right? Edmonds is his real name. He was with L.A. L.A. Face Productions. Fifty-nine. Mandy Moore, kind of a child star, and then turned country singer back to acting. I liked her as a country yeah. singer. Yeah. Thirty-three. 
good friend of handball, Ed O'Neill. Mm-hmm. One of the most successful actors in Hollywood, 71. Married with children and then now doing what he does. Originally from Youngstown, Ohio, which is just across the border from Pittsburgh. Where you used to. Right. Also had a tryout with the Steelers. He's very into football. Good player. David Letterman, 70 years old. Unfortunately, his mom passed away just a couple days ago. You might remember her on TV if you followed David Letterman. David Cassidy, 67. Yeah, that's that, that's a blast from the past. Part of the Partridge family. Sticking with the David theme, David Vincent, 46. Hmm. Just had a chance to yeah. celebrate with Also you, on the Partridge family. Would have been I was a good one addition. Clean the garage that one time. Vince Gill, 60 years old. I cannot believe that. Married to Amy Grant. Still? Yeah. yeah okay. All right. Yeah. Max Weinberg from the E Street Band. He's got to be the one of the most famous drummers ever. Right? I mean, Slash? Yeah. See it? No. He's, he's a not guitar a guitar player for the Guns N' Roses. Okay. Right. Pretty close, though. So, in my opinion, Max is They both the, play instruments. Max is the most famous okay. drummer, then. I guess so. In my mind. Ricky Schroeder. 47? He's a, a year older than me. I used to watch time. him when he was a young kid. I guess I was young, too. Great show, Silver Spoon. Right? Spoons. Silver Spoons. Doesn't like back. to be called Ricky, though. He Doesn't likes he? to be called Rick Schroeder. Okay. He was on NYPD Blue, I believe. That's right. Loretta Lynn, country singer, 85. Hmm. Brad Garrett from Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh-huh. I know that's one of your favorites, Dave. No, I, th- I think he's funny. Great stand-up comedian. 57. Anthony Michael Hall. Dexter. Vacation? Excuse me? Anthony Michael Hall, was he in Vacation? No. He wasn't the young Rusty? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Adrian Brody, 44. Yeah, not a fan. Seth Rogen, I know you're a fan of him. He's 35. Yeah, he's great. Abe loves him, too. He he's is. cool. I like him. Really one of the few I names I recognize on the list. So it's one I of like the it. only ones. That's <laughs> under well, you recognize this one, Emma Watson. Oh, yeah. twenty-seven. Yeah, yeah. You'll you'll recognize this one. Good friend of yours, Abe Ivan Burgos, the Mid America Regional Champion, sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. What a star! Wow, that's a name we'll be hearing a lot in the near future. Calm Jordan, good friend of ours from Ireland, thirty-nine. David the Fly Steinberg. Let's just not give his age out. I think he's got more national titles than he does birthdays. Yeah, that's close. Yeah, that's pretty close. He seems to pick up about three a year. So, (laughs) do the math. That's quite a bit of titles. Okay, well, let's wrap up the show, shall we? Sure. So, congratulations to those celebrating a birthday. If it's yours, please don't spit on the cake when you blow out the candles. That is going to close the show for Dave, Dave and Abe. On this Friday or Thursday, as it is, but I know you're going to be listening to it on Friday because that's the way it always works in the business. It's episode 16. We're out. We'll see you in Salt Lake City. Catch us in a couple weeks on ESPN3 and the Watch ESPN app as we will be live on the app and on your TV. That'll be April 22nd and 23rd, I believe, on ESPN. Go to our website to find out more at WPHlive.tv. Abraham, I like your face. Keep it that way. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, guys. Dave and Dave. These guys are amazing. Just ask Donald Trump. It's rigged like you've never seen before. They talk sports on iTunes, WPH Live TV, and TuneIn Radio. Bye.